On today's episode, we talk to Javid Bash of GrassLab TT. He uses and distributes CBD and related products in Trinidad and Tobago. We spoke to him about his business, Ethos, and his own experience with healing. Today on the Onijara podcast, we have Javid Bash of Grass Lab TT. Javid, tell the lovely people at the internet what exactly is Grass Lab for those who don't know. So, Grass Lab is, uh, I would have to say, unofficial dispensary. Um, I operate like one, although, you know, we don't have official licenses for it yet. Um, I distribute a variety of CBD based products. Everything from balms, drops, uh, transdermal patches, like an entire scope for different conditions, ailments. Um, so I treat persons with cancer, epilepsy, multiple sclerosis, arthritis, asthma, endometriosis. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, I even have been treating persons with issues that I, I can't even really pronounce what okay. it is for. Um I've been doing this for about the past three, went on four years professionally. And essentially, I give people a second chance. Okay. Now, you say you've been doing this for about three to four years. Now, when this episode airs, it's probably been about a month Mm -hmm. since Trinidad officially decriminalized marijuana. How did you get into it with the ban still on the drug? Well, I have a motto that I live by. It's life over laws. And honestly, having been through the medical system because I have a history of clinical depression and schizophrenia. And I was on antipsychotics and antidepressants for about two years. I'm pretty sure a lot of people know the story by now. And it was that point where I was taking 26 pills a day. So having, you know, pulled myself off of that, uh it's not something that I would just get over. You know, you, you're on these pills for X amount of time and you're treating this problem just because yeah. you stop the pills, the problem's still there. And then a friend of mine introduced me to cannabis and, you know, I was totally against it. And, you know, in in retrospect, you know, I, I always thought that this thing was just going to kill me and it ended up kind of saving my life. Okay. So I made it my mission to try and see how many other people need the kind of help that I was not I was not granted um, nobody ever told me that that was an option and I myself was uneducated about it so I I just made it my mission to you know give back help someone else who might be in need so you say you weren't a marijuana user I before. was not so when did you start like how did you get introduced did you like try it like recreationally or somebody say try this for your no, no. Um, it was literally a matter of me uh, going through a depressive episode a night and I just picked myself up, walked over to a friend's house and just sat on his couch. Uh, but, you know, obviously I would have certain looks on my face where, you know, I could tell something is wrong. Yeah, it bothered you. And right. And so you he said, um, yeah, he said, you know, you're right. Say not really. He said, well, why don't you smoke some weed? So I said, nah, I, I don't do them thing. So, you know, sitting there on the couch, I'm still feeling like crap. 
and he just gone about doing his business and I'm sitting there like maybe if uh, everything that I heard about it is true uh, tried committing suicide before it didn't work I hear marijuana could potentially be deadly alright well it can't be any worse than anything I'm going through now so I say well alright yeah, you can get it, it. Yeah. yeah and when I did actually sit down and start smoking this thing I didn't notice what was happening so I had all these symptoms of depression so it would be no appetite insomnia um, no lacking any kind of um external activities um social interests just don't the drain yeah not talking not smiling so i'm outside there now smoking this thing and we engage in conversation again i'm not consciously paying attention to what's happening it's just happening it's just happening so you know we're smoking passing the joint back and forth in conversation so by the time the joint finished he said well i think i'm gonna make something to eat you hungry out so I say, yeah, actually. So we go in the kitchen, jump on the stove and start to make some sandwiches. And for absolutely no reason, that was the most hilarious thing to me. And I could not stop laughing for like about five minutes straight. And he was like, you know, because he was a, a consumer before. Yeah, so this he, was, yeah, he, essentially so your first time. time. So you get the, the laughs. Right. Everybody reacts differently. Mm-hmm. So blindly, you just jumped in. And then after that, what was the catalyst to be like? After well, this again. you know, we went through the entire night, uh, laugh, eat, uh, we hung out a little bit again, and then I went home, and I went straight to bed, and it's the following morning when I woke up, I was trying to figure out, wait, when did I fall asleep? Because I, I was not sleeping at all. Like, oh, so the all. next morning, you just had all of a sudden, you like, wake yeah. up like, I'm in my bed. What what happened? What so happened? I start thinking back to the night before, I said, okay, I smoke. And I said, all right, well, I was in conversation. I was talking. Then I remember laughing in the kitchen. I was like, but I can't remember the last time I cracked a smile. And now my stomach hurting. My eyes running water because I'm laughing so much. It's like, wait, wait, what? what is this about? This is exactly the opposite of what I expected. So I didn't get off my bed. I just pulled my laptop, went to Google, effects of marijuana. And I sat there for like about two hours just reading only about everything. About everything. Everything I could. Only to realize, well, wait, so people was lying to me my entire life about this thing? I, I need more of this? So that was the point that when I moved completely off the thought of pharmaceuticals and I just went straight to cannabis. So you took a leap of faith and it saved your life, basically. Mm-hmm. When your weed hangover was spent Googling stuff on the internet. Yep. And doing after research. that, so how often did you go? So how did you tell your doctors or, because I'm sure you got your, you had a doctor because you had a prescription for the tablets yeah. or whatever. So yeah. how did the medical community take your revelation? <laughs> I did not go back to my doctors for a while. In fact, when I stopped taking the pills, I just decided, you know what? These people really weren't helping because when I started, I started at five. How did it get to 26? Like okay. you're telling me that I'm coming to you for help. But the only thing you're doing is just increasing the amount of meds you're giving me. And when I go, you know, there's no empathy, right? No form of consideration. It's just like, you try to hurt yourself today? You're taking your tablets? Okay. I need to put you on some more. You'll go by the dispensary. And, you know, real robotic 
Kind of um, like for context, what like what was the time period when this was going through with the doctors in Trinidad? Like around what decade? Two thousand and I was in my mid twenties, so that was about hmm, I'll say about twelve, thirteen years ago or so. It's about two thousand, early two thousands, well two thousand six. Yeah, 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 around then, and um, you know it was just the same cycle over and over uh, every two weeks. I go to them, I get a refill on my prescription, Yeah, I take it, and then I go back. Because I know you really sit down and you look at Trinidad and you try to put it in context at that point in time, at the mid-2000s in Trinidad, and the mental health conversation in the country has changed quite a bit. It was practically non-existent then. then and yeah. now it's kind of getting to the point where we're starting kinda. to... And the problem I've been seeing is, okay, so I deal with a variety of issues uh, with everything from physical to mental illness, right? So, a lot of people, they actually come to me with depression or insomnia or, or severe anxiety. And some of them, they come with their prescriptions. And when you actually look at the drugs and you look at the side effects, and then you hear these people say, well, you know, since I start taking this, this happening, that happening. Yeah. It's like, what? Why? Why would you purposely give somebody something to use, right? They'll come back to you and say, listen, I'm experiencing these things from taking the pills. And you'll either do one or two things. You'll either change it completely or change the dose. Yeah. And then you'll probably even give them something to deal with the side effects, which has side effects on its own. So it becomes like, because, you know, I always look at us as trained as like a tablet society. Because I mm-hmm. work next to a pharmacy, and anytime I go inside, there's always somebody give me a tablet for this, give me a tablet for that. And like, you figure you just take it. Doctor's done his job, give them something, and they get treated. If they come back, they come back. If not, then they will just buy that tablet for life. Essentially. Like people who live on painkillers yeah. all day long. And you look up stuff of what like ibuprofen does to you. And boy. It's ridiculous. Is. No, it I is could, ridiculous. I could understand. So back to your doctor. So you didn't go back. So when you did go back, what was there like? Because I could probably picture the look on their face in early 2000s. Yeah. So they, um, they didn't really seem to show any additional interest or not. It's like, okay, well... Nothing. All right. Yeah, you, yeah. It's, it's doing literally it. like that. Because at the end of the day, um, I wasn't paying for these meds. I was getting them in the dispensary. Okay. So it was not for-profit thing for them. I'm pretty sure if it was, they might have had a problem. But no, they just got rid of one of the they people have that they had last, to deal with. One last government form to fill out to get that kind of essentially to give out. Mm-hmm. Well, and there you go. So, how did that change your perspective on, like, say, the medical industry of Trinidad and Tobago and working? And I don't know if you had any run-ins with any higher-ups or anything in that. Interestingly enough, I actually used to. Well, my background—I don't want to say—is I would say was IT. So, since I moved to medical, you know, I I don't really do IT anymore. Yeah. And one of the places I used to work at was a company called Cardiovascular Associates. Okay. So I worked in the medical field for about uh, about 15 months. So you're there by proxy, basically. You kind of was like, you're doing something else, but you're 
in yeah well i had to be directly involved with the pharmaceutical side okay. because part of my role as an it officer was to track inventory and get familiar with certain drugs and whatnot and i actually learned quite a lot about the medical side of things from being there like a, a simple thing as as um as viagra they market viagra as something for ed yeah but that's that's a side effect Viagra is a drug for hypertension. Will make a lot of sense. We'll probably explain why so many um older fellas get cardiac arrest because of. Yep, yep. So imagine that they actually designed a drug for one thing, and they ended up marketing it for a side effect, so they could make money on it both ways. Basically. All they have to do is just advertise the risks, and they are clear. They are clear. It's up to you to take it or not. Which it's your it's your choice, but of course, in order to get it by prescription, so you have to see a doctor first, and then the doctor will determine he's the one who understands what it is, and then based on his knowledge, he will mm-hmm. then say whether or not. That's a very interesting perspective that people don't think about when you go to they the don't. doctor. They don't, and then even in that instance, I can't say that they have your best interests at hand, because I remember this one instance where someone came to me, and you know they they were suffering from. Um, insomnia, right? They they couldn't sleep at all, at all, at all, at all. So I started, you know, doing my regular um, research into their, their background, and found out that okay, they also suffer from anxiety. So I said, all right, more than likely, the reason why you can't sleep is because you're over anxious. Your mind is overactive. You're stressed. You probably have cold sweat. She said yes. I said, well, all right. What I need to do is treat the anxiety. She insisted that I just treat the insomnia. I said, all right, when you come up to see me, we could talk. So when she got to me, right, she pulled out this bag of tablets, prescription uh, tablets that the doctor gave her for the insomnia. So I'm checking on the tablets only to notice that the main side effect is anxiety. So I told her, well, look, part of the reason why you haven't these problems is you're taking something that can exacerbate any symptoms. So then this woman looks at me dead in the eyes and says, oh no, well he gave me something for that too. Pulls out another bag and said he gave me this for the anxiety. Check out that pill. The number one side effect Insomnia. So it's a zero-sum game. Well, sorry. She's just going in a circle. It's not a zero-sum game. It's a major-sum game for the pharmaceutical company. But it's a zero-sum game for the user because at the end of the day, they don't care. As you come to the doctor and they talk to you, $75 an hour, $150 an mm-hmm. hour, $600 a session, they get paid, you get a tablet, you're happy, you go in. Actually, you still have to go in your pharmacy. So it's, uh, you know, they tend to work in tandem. Um, yeah, and, you know, not to me say anything controversial, but I think that's why we have medical associations for these kind of things. They just... Uh. A lot yeah. of what I say would make people not like me, but... That's okay. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's that's normal thing. You know, you have to break eggs to make an omelet. But I will I, call it as I see it. And having the direct experience in these fields, I know exactly how they operate. So how is prescribing for marijuana different? Let's use this as a segue to talk about. So how is it like, for example, I come to you saying that I can't sleep. Probably mm-hmm. because I'm over 30, I'm overstressed in work. How would you go about prescribing your form of alternative medicine to somebody? Okay. Hold Walk on. us through the process for those who may be interested in listening and like have never thought about 
Okay, so you have problems with them. Okay. How long? Um, Every night, I go to try to get to bed. At 10 o'clock, I lay in bed staring at the ceilings and I just can't like sleep. Probably get two hours in if I'm lucky and mm-hmm. then I just go to work the next day and rinse, repeat. What your day is like? Highly active? Highly active in work. you have a family history of insomnia? Yeah, father suffers from insomnia. Currently on any medication? Nope. All right. Um, in a case like yours, um, I wouldn't really say it's something that might be severe. So far, it sounds a bit hereditary. Um, you have any problems with like anxiety or stress? You see, this is the thing. If people who suffer with anxiety don't know what anxiety feels like. In a case like that where somebody might not be sure, I'll ask them certain questions. Like, okay. do you have problems with focus? Um, do you find that you might randomly cold sweat? Do you suddenly lose the ability to do certain uh, actions or take part in certain things that all of a sudden is stressful? And you know, if they answer yes to these questions, I would try to get the severity on a scale of like 1 to 10. And then I'll determine, okay, well, if this is indeed a factor or not. Because the stuff that I sell is not just like, you know, you, you come in, you say you want CBD and you just get it. Yeah. I need to know, well, gather enough information from you based on the case. And then I will pick a specific product based on the symptoms that you have. And so you would find that someone that comes to me doesn't have to buy two, three, four different bottles. Usually they'll get one product that will work for all the issues that and they cover have. All yeah. So it's basically you, it's a, it's a hands-on yeah, because you see, when you go to a dispensary, that's how they're supposed to treat cannabis as a medicine. It's not just try this, try that, you know. Um, so for certain conditions, like bud tenders, um, persons like myself with experience would know of the bud. All right, someone comes in with chronic pain, what would be the ideal thing? If they are accustomed to using THC, we could go that route because THC is excellent for chronic pain and inflammation. Um if not, then we could go a CBD route. Now with me, I don't really recommend THC first because most people down here who need it for a medical issue, they're not accustomed to using it. So yeah. they will quicker get the negative effects off of it. So depending on the case, um, I'll have to decide whether it's absolutely recommended or not. And this is what most people on the underground have to see don't really put consideration into it. Just cannabis could fix everything. Take this, you'll feel better. That, just, no. just smoke this weed no. that you could buy on the block. Rubbish. And Rubbish. That, because a lot of people, I remember when the, because um, I work with the public and I remember when the whole thing passed in December, people were saying, now we can go out and get high. Mm-hmm. Right, true, right, true, right, true. And this one I was talking about this greater cushion this sour diesel and this that and the other like throwing mm-hmm. these names around now when i look at your instagram i see names i see th content i see cbd content mm-hmm. when people are buying from a pusher on the side of the road they don't see any of these things no they don't where is the consistency in the product we don't have that here um you would find even with decriminalization it it still has uh or it's it's still going to have problems with 
regulating that type of supply, at least from a medical standpoint. Um, there, there's still too much restrictions on the plant itself, and not just from the flowers, but the types of extractions, right? It's, it's very vague what they have set out in the, in the laws. Um, For the record, I haven't read the decriminalize. I haven't read the new act or anything. I just... Oh, no, that they just passed. So please inform because I don't think my listeners probably have. That I've either. I've read the control bill and the amendment, top to bottom, and it's rubbish. Because seems to me all they did was just extrude it from ex- remove it from one bill that had it illegal. To an extent, see, here's the thing, right? They say is not an election ploy, but I strongly believe otherwise, because if it wasn't then they would have put more time and proper research into, you know, setting this thing out properly. And this... For this thing to work, they have to scrap everything and start over. Okay. And the the funny part about it is, this is not something that's supposed to be difficult at all. I don't know why they're making it so difficult. Explain. Well, okay, so... It's a fundamental human right for me to be able to use anything that I see fit in order to help myself uh, from a medical standpoint. All right. right. It's a fundamental right for me to be able to consume whatever I want as long as it doesn't harm myself or others around me. Right. And essentially, you just have to base the laws on fairness. And it's really not difficult to do. In fact, if you have a legal framework, it's much, much easier to regulate the supply and tax it properly rather than you decriminalize. And every, I I don't know how often they do it, but you'll have to go back and keep tweaking and making adjustments and tweaking and making adjustments for what? Something that you could have done from the start? Well, I think they're following the... American and Canadian model, because as we spoke before we started, mm-hmm. you know, I lived in Colorado when the first referendum passed, and the decriminalization started in the city of Denver, and they removed, you know, one gram, you're decriminalized, and after that they came through to say, it's not on a federal level, but on a state level, it is now legal, right? And mm-hmm. by doing that, the state then lost its federal funding for highways because of the marijuana thing. And that's the problem. But why then, are you gonna be? laws for an you know independent small caribbean island to a country that is overseen by federal law they well, could they just figured because it's easy to sell that way because then afterwards when it became legal it seems that every two months they were changing something because they're starting to figure it out as they went along and say all right we want proper zoning around schools was the first thing that they had to do after they got legal mm-hmm no growing outside. You have to grow inside. Mm-hmm. Now they're looking at things that like taxing dispensaries a certain amount. And now they're looking at edibles because now edibles is a new thing and that's getting into anybody. So you can't use gummies to market people anymore because the genius and them thought it was a good idea. Let's market edibles as a gummy bear and kids can just grab it. And, you know, it it seems like it's, it's a mess in some states, especially like Washington State and yeah. Colorado. And it's, it seems like now they want to push it for the federal level in the states, but I have a feeling that here in Trinidad, we we don't have an infrastructure we to, don't. to do these things. For example, when I pick up a bear, 
off the shelf, I know it's 6.4% alcohol. Mm-hmm. I know what that's going to do for me. I know what's going to do for her. I know what's going to do for you. But when you hand me like something rolled up in a joint, I don't know the content. Nope, and you wouldn't. It seems like how would we go about testing these things? Because it seems like anybody and their mother now wants to become a marijuana dealer. Oh, you could. Um, I would say Trinidad is more closely related to Jamaica in terms of uh, the way we consume than a state like Colorado. So how they have things set up over there, um, they have a few dispensaries and you can go in with a prescription or in some cases they'll just have you fill out a form right and you can just take off well all right yeah i suffer from anxiety or insomnia or quote unquote because mm-hmm. even though they have laws in place and they say well you know it's restricted to medical use only there's nothing bad that can happen to you if you use it long term permanent that that's so, and, and the culture over there is one of, you know, laid back. You come here, take a smoke, relax on the beach, you know. And even though they have them in these dispensaries, you still don't always see the THC and CBD percentages and content and whatnot. You don't. And that has to do with regulation. Now, CLA over there is still figuring things out. And a lot of people on the ground level are having problems with that. A lot of the farmers over there. Because I met with quite a few of them. And CLA is more targeting the big businesses and how they could provide licenses to them rather than the small farmers who want to get things done. So you would find with that happening now, uh, things are going to get even more difficult for local farmers who want to have their stuff tested and marketed. Now, that that's a whole other fight up for these people. Now, down here, I don't know what they plan to do with that. Um, if it was legalized, it probably would have been a lot easier to have items regulated and classed. But as is, that's not going to happen. Uh, whenever they do decide to give licenses to persons who want to set up dispensaries, I saw in the control bill that you must be a pharmacist or a licensed medical professional in order to dispense cannabis, which in itself is rubbish. Well, their their friends are, you know. Well, I can get that, but the only persons who should be dispensing cannabis as a medicine are bud tenders who are trained in cannabis as a medicine, have experience, whether it be personal or from external experience in treating others, and dealing with cannabis actually requires you to have a lot more empathy towards patients rather than you know take two others and call me in the morning like a like a doctor like a doctor so you say you say bud tender so what is the um process of becoming a bud tender how's that like because you say that bud tenders need to know yeah what is the training like did you do that Um, i did okay um so the training for bud tenders this is the first time i'm hearing the term bud tender so i'm kind of curious like oh yeah it's an actual term um so this would be a dispensary operator that um, is responsible for knowing different types of strains, understanding how they work, um, how they make recommendations, um, what's the best form of consumption for specific cases. Um, so somebody sh- should be able to walk into a dispensary, go up to a bartender, 
say I have X, Y, and Z, and they could look at you and say, all right, this is what will work for you off the bat. So essentially, like you're a marijuana therapist. Essentially, right. So the same kind of procedure we just did not too long ago where you ask questions and stuff to get an idea to recommend. It's just... Yeah, yeah. That That is like an idea of what a bud tender should do. So could you as a bud tender kind of see through somebody who's just coming in to get high or for recreational use? Or are you like sworn by a, you know, a bud tender credo that you must sell only for medical purposes? Um, I think that would be up to the dispensary's discretion or not. Um, like I said, in Jamaica, it doesn't matter whether you actually have a doctor's recommendation or not. Um, most of the persons that would be coming in for, I would guess, treatment, um, I believe they would more than likely go towards the CBD line first rather than the THC. Uh, you would find a lot of medical users tend to stay away from the flower itself. Uh, again, you're not really going to get anything off the CBD in terms of a euphoric high. Yeah. So that's one simple way off the bat to identify um, potential patients or recreational users. And most people just come off the bat and say, listen, I just want to get high. But wouldn't wasn't CBD like legal before this decriminalization? Because it seems to be you could have gotten CBD all over the place. You could have. Because um, I see it selling any mall. Like, even before regulation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've had it since 2016. Um, probably places that had it before me, places that had it after. I can't say if it's something that was regulated or not. Um, I honestly don't know. But, as I mentioned before, my personal motto kind of went against whether it's legal or illegal. If I could help somebody, I'll help somebody. Yeah, because and I've tried the CBD like gummies and stuff already and you take them it's like oh this really doesn't feel like anything gummies you know, is crap it's crap absolutely crap. oils is the way to go yeah the thing about gummies is and <laughs> this is one of the things that kind of pisses me off oh, with feel how free, it's been feel free because like people because you know people selling these gummies to people right true you get you get like yeah. 30 gummies in a little bottle uh-huh. for like a $300 they say yeah take this to help you sleep ending yeah it's absolute bullshit because let's just say each gummy is 10 milligrams of CBD, right? By the time you eat that and it passes through your digestive system and gets metabolized by your liver, you only get like about 1 to 2 milligrams out of the 10. So if you want to get 10 milligrams... Yeah, eat 10. Eat half your bottle. Exactly. So it's just one dose of just CBD. And what sense does that make? So as somebody a, will pop a couple and more than likely if they do happen to feel something, it's a placebo effect. As, a, as opposed to like oils yeah those get absorbed into your system almost instantly especially if you take it sublingually as under your tongue Mm -hmm. yeah instant absorption into the bloodstream so some persons could feel the effects within like five minutes or less and ideally that's the way to go something liquid your body will absorb it almost instantaneously so then why do they bother with the gummies anyway this is like to kind of soften the blow to the money money People are more likely to buy a pack of gummy bears than they are to no, put no, an no, oil no, or? no, not not really. It's a marketing thing. So most of the CBD that's on the market right now, it's a bunch of crap because of the content of it. Like there are some brands that sell locally you could find on Amazon. Novelty items, basically. Exactly, right. And then you're marketing this as something that could you know provide potential health benefits. I've had people come to me 
and brought bottles of, of um, CBD they bought in Starlight that they bought in Superfarm. And I will call them out. And they will tell me that it does not work. So when I, you know, do my investigation into their problem, I say, well, this would have never worked for you. Did you explain this to the people at the pharmacy? Yes. What did they say? Well, they went inside a glass case and pulled out a flyer and say, read this. So I needed to test that myself. All and right. I called Superfarm. And I pretended to have an issue. And they could not answer my question. None. Hmm. And you called specifically asking for? CBD. CBD. Mm-hmm. So I, to me, I think it's just something they have there to like sell because it's trendy. Because you're seeing it all over the place. You know what I mean? Like CBD, this. It's all it over. Is. It's like, you know. The conversation literally went, I have a condition called trigeminal neuralgia. I'm in a lot of pain. I heard CBD works. What would you recommend? Well, we have some 300 milligram, 600 milligram, and 1200 milligram drops. Okay, what would you recommend for me? Well, usually we tell people to start at the 600, and then if that doesn't work, they could move up to the 1200 and try that. So I say you're not sure if it's going to work. She said, no, well, I mean, if it's really that bad, you could probably try the 1200. And... It's like, you know, you're really not sure. So they basically have you guessing and checking with drugs. They are guessing themselves. <laughs> so how to prevent things like that? Like, how would you as a government, how would you change the legislation to make sure? Because clearly you've, you've kind of made the point saying that pharmacists don't know what they are they're talking about to an extent with these things. How do you think the government should approach this in a perfect like society? If Trent, I were to get up to consult you in the morning, Javin write this law, where do we start? Where should they have started? They needed to do their research firstly on the plant and its constituents, right? Uh, Once they could identify the parts of the plant in terms of what people use, what you could make out of it, and whether you really want to do this we're looking at this from a decriminalization or legalization standpoint. Well, let's well let's go with the um, procedure that is that we need to decriminalize first to win this election, then we need legalization to win the next election. Because I too agree with you, believe that it was an election ploy. Mm-hmm. Because I've been saying that for an entire year. I'm saying you know the government is going to legalize marijuana next year because they have two elections to face. Well, they should have been a little more like. What I would adjust. Yeah. Um, the being a little too ridiculous with the use in public spaces. Um, and can't use your in ceremonies, like cultural ceremonies and stuff like that, aka carnival. I mean, if you look at the statistics from people who consume large quantities of alcohol at these events, they end up disastrous sometimes. Oh, they also consume large amounts of marijuana because you can go in any band and you smell it. You ever been to a panyard? You smell it. I have. So it's, you know, to tell them they can't smoke is now they're smoking. Obviously. And now I don't know why they're even trying to crack down on it further because secondhand smoke is not really that big of an issue in an open area. It really, really isn't. You get a whiff and that's it. Yeah. I mean, for you to get a contact high in a public place, a lot of people 
a lot of people need to be smoking around you and needs to be a heavy concentration. Otherwise, nothing going to happen to you. Right? So, that that is absolute rubbish. Studies have shown that driving while under the influence of cannabis, it, it, it practically safe. There have been no accidents involving cannabis only users, right? Um, studies have shown that people who are under the influence of cannabis alone are actually safer drivers on the road. So now, well, that you're trying to say to people that getting the accidents under the under cannabis is because they're on something else with it. It's usually alcohol. Because I know I know that was one of the big arguments that came out after um, after the United States legalization in certain states, they started seeing an uptick of people because that's the conversation right now. Before it reaches the federal level, yeah. when should we? How should we regulate driving and smoking? You know they have to make money somehow. Drinking obviously, and driving was a big campaign to. to raise money. Now smoking and driving is a new campaign that they want to go after. And you know they they pulled their statistics and stuff like that, seeing how we had X amount of fender benders increase after legalization because you know if you actually read the studies in the they would show that there was no direct correlation to cannabis and the accidents. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Well, I have I have my theories to believe that a lot of these things probably come from first time users. That people who are just not accustomed try it and say, Oh, I didn't feel nothing, get behind the wheel of a car and realize that they don't know what's going on with themselves or something like I that. I guess, but um But of course they don't give you that statistic. No, they don't. And I, I don't really think that's an easy statistic to just get data on. Exactly. So how would so how would you do it for Trinidad? You would start them to study the plants. Yeah, because, all right, if you look at the, the the environment, we have a lot of smokers, right? So now you're restricting them to smoking in their own... Indoors in their yards. And which is something everybody was doing all the time, mm-hmm. right? I show most of the drivers out there that smoke, smoke in the vehicle and drive. Yeah. Like you, normal. You walk around where I live and you're bound to smell like a car passing. Right, so you need to remove some of those restrictions that you have on people. I saying you're going to allow people to smoke right outside of school or something, but have designated areas where people could go in public and just gather, congregate. Uh, that's an expert of the law that they don't want happening. Why you don't want people congregating and consuming cannabis? So you can't have like a coffee shop? No. That's not in our law. But that's such a big industry that people could have. It's could make money. Tax, taxpayers' money. We know this. Yeah. I don't know how they don't know this. Right? So, that's another uh, something that could be adjusted there. Um, four plants. Four plants is great. But I'm, you're only allowed to harvest 30 grams. I never understood the, the four plants thing and why it's such a big deal with only four plants. Like... Could one tree yield that much that it could be an illegal limit, or do you need to have like four plants? Or because one you know, tree will yield way over the amount, right? Serious. But the thing is, if you're growing, you're going to grow your crop to harvest it, so you'll have your stuff to use, right? But if you're only allowed thirty grams, so you're essentially restricted to having one plant, and one plant will still go over because if you plant four. 
they say you need to dispose of it. You could probably still use it to make extracts or whatever. But then they said, you only allowed five grams of, of extract, right? So you're probably still over the limit. So now, after your harvest, you're now forced to go back and buy more seeds to have to keep planting over and over. To cut down and to put back, to cut down and put back. I think, I think the four plants thing was put there so that nobody could be like, look at my huge plantation in my backyard. You, you, you know what I mean? The like, restriction might be there for that purpose, but you can't tell someone that you're giving them access to four plants knowing fully well is going to be way over the limit and then put this ridiculous limit there. D- then just, just put the limit there to say, well, all right, this is how much you're allowed in public. But in your personal space, free room. What was wrong with that? Now you, you have the potential of breaking the law in your own house just because you have a plant growing. You can monitor that plant and say, all right, when it reaches 30 grams, I'll just tell it to stop growing. I, I understand fully what you're saying. And it does now when you sit back and look at it, it doesn't make any sense. Because, you know, my wife grows plants outside and she has mm-hmm. a lemongrass there that gets ridiculous. You know, you can't wash the lemongrass. I mean, the thing right now looks like what? You trimmed it and trimmed about half of it away. But it's still plenty. You know, when it starts growing, yeah. it's growing. Yeah. You know? So the 30 grams thing, I mean, do you think they just put that there as a deterrent or to get those who would be like, eh, I don't know anything about this marijuana thing. 30 grams is reasonable because this is, this is, you know, 30 grams. Most you know? people are not going to be walking around with that amount at any one time. Well, yeah, because a gram of weed is a lot of weed. In, well, for personal, yeah, for some yeah, people. I mean, yeah. for me, a gram of weed is like, Jesus Christ. This is a, you know, I don't smoke, but you've seen a gram of weed and it's like, that's plenty for yeah. like personal use yeah. if you don't use it every day. For me, I use a lot daily, but again, still, I'm not walking around with that amount every day. You're not going to walk with like, yeah, I got a key in my trunk. You know what I mean? Exactly. So that's why I say, if you want to put that restriction for people to move around with in public, fine. But don't extend it to a person's residence and say, well, you're still only allowed this uh, this much. You know how much people before that had mass amounts of marijuana in their home? I wouldn't be surprised. I am one of them. I mean, if I buy, I buy in bulk. I don't say I go and buy a pong, but I could have like a ounce or something put on for my personal use. So I don't have to keep going back every day, every minute or something. Let me get a 20. Let me get a 20. Yeah, let me get a 10 piece. Let me get this. Get my roll on there. I understand fully. It doesn't make sense. Right. So if somebody decides now, well, all right, I want to have more than 30 grams for my personal stock. So I don't have to keep going out there and buying. They're not allowed. In fact, if you are a medical patient, you're not allowed more than 30 grams for the month. That's in the control bill. Don't fuck me up, really. Mm-hmm. So if you require to have 30 grams, so they're going to give you like, oh, this is your marijuana punch card, sir. You know, you're right. You got one gram today. That's one gram a day. But if your treatment requires you to have 15 grams a day. I don't know. And they're not discussing this. Uh, no, they you are notice not. the conversation has gone extremely quiet. It would, because, you know, they kind of get the people to shut up. Give the people what they want in Dalmat Shikhan, basically. Yeah, yeah. So now everybody kind of distracted with us, like, oh, yeah, I could walk around with me weed now. But everything in the background going to hit them eventually when they realize exactly how much restrictions are placed on them. Well, typical turn out we do enforce anything anyway, you know. No, I mean, 
according to the control bill, the police could enter your premises at any time. If they um they have any suspicion that you might be uh, in possession of more than you amount. So, so basically, if they're walking past your house and they see five people and they smell weed, they could say if each person have five grams on them, that's probable cause that there's more than 30 grams inside that house. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really hope no police listen to this, you know. I hope they are and they know not to be on that kind of bullshit because why, when we finally get a little bit of freedom, you're still trying to be oppressive to the people? I personally think it's a culture thing. I think it's Caribbean culture as a whole. We have to, we need that kind of control mm-hmm. in order for us to be like, if I'm going to do this, I know I'm breaking a law, so I'm going to do it. It's like people, we have very strict laws with using your cell phone in the front seat of your car. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't have your cell phone on your lap. You can't have it in your hand. You can't have it anywhere where you could reach. Yet every time you're driving down the road, you're seeing somebody texting and driving. Yeah. You know, I think I think as a society, we like that. The but legal drinking age in Trinidad and Tobago is 18, but everybody drinking when they like 13 and stuff like that. Now, I see if you used you, the two examples you just cited, right? Yeah. You're actually putting yourself and other people at danger. Yeah. Where that happening with cannabis? Well, there's the thing. I mean, now I want to ask you, like, what do you think should be the age when people could smoke? I don't think people should be smoking, period. You don't? No. Even though I am a smoker, it is not the healthiest means of consumption. You could do other things to get the euphoric type of high. But when you smoke, you burn off like 75 to 90% of the active cannabinoids. Really? Yeah. And that's smoking in a joint, smoking in a bong, just smoking in general. You are mainly inhaling carbon monoxide. Right? Now, you'll still get effects because... If there's a high concentration of THC in the bud, you'll get it. But it still wouldn't be any percentage as if it was in a vaporizer or if you use it in an edible or like a tincture, right? Okay. Because it's more concentrated. So you'll get more of the active cannabinoids available rather than just a small fraction. So you'll get the, probably like the instant effects because once it hits your lungs, um, your body will just instantly grab the cannabinoids. So like within 5 to 20 seconds, depending on how severe the issue is, yeah. you'll feel the effects. But then it'll start to wear off pretty fast. Okay, because I, in my experience, I always know that Trinidad has been like a roll-on society. We love, yeah. to, we love to mix it with nicotine. Is the pull. Is the act of pulling and smoking. That's pretty much the vice right there. But if you actually look at it holistically, there are much better ways to consume a lot healthier, that will still provide the effects that you're looking for. But like I said, is is a vice. Same thing with me. If if I had access to enough cannabis, I would find alternative ways of using it. But what about um our paraphernalia laws? Have they changed that? Because I know it's illegal for you to import a pipe in Trinidad. At some point, I don't know if it's changed since the law. There is nothing stated in the amendment bill or in the control bill about devices. Uh, I don't see logically why it should be a problem because the argument before was you're going to use it for consumption of illegal substance. Yeah, because I know when like hookahs were a big thing 
in the mid two thousands, and all of a sudden, Skybox stopped bringing them in because customs started seizing mm-hmm. them. I I had shipments of rolling paper coming and I got seized already. Like zigzags, they take a zigzags elements. Right. So the, the like, thing is, now if if a police stop me and I have a grinder on me, what what you gonna charge me for? That's Paraphernalia it. for what? Paraphernalia. I mean, it it seems so like ancient. It is. But we have nothing in the bill about it. Mm-mm. Same with bongs and stuff like that. Same with any type of device. Uh, so I I just move with, with a grinder with me, like normal, because you can't say that I'm going to use it for an illegal purpose or use it to consume an illegal substance. But could the same police officer watch you and be like, you're going to use it for that? Yeah, but so not, I have right to check you. Yeah, but it's not illegal. Cannabis is no longer illegal. So obviously, I'm going to have devices that would assist me with consumption of this. Okay. So you mentioned that you don't want people smoking, right? And I know one of the arguments that people are making over like a legal age for consuming mm-hmm. marijuana is the fact that the frontal cortex of the brain Mm -hmm. doesn't finish developing until the age of 25. Mm -hmm. So they believe that people shouldn't be consuming marijuana until after that because they don't know the effects of taking high dosages of THC will have the development on the brain. Right. What's your take on this argument that people like to push forward? Well, it's a fact. But uh, the thing is, for that to happen... A person needs to be consuming a large amount of THC over a long period of time. Um, the problem with this argument is that people only focus on the smoking or the THC. There are hundreds of other cannabinoids in the plant that uh, an adolescent could use with absolutely no risk of any kind of long-term damage. Right. So, for example... CBC, CBN, mm-hmm. CBG, CBD. Those all completely safe to use. And it would not bind to the receptors in your brain that would cause this high feeling that, you know, they could get um, attached to. I wouldn't really say addicted because if you do stop consuming cannabis, you don't really experience the kind of withdrawals as you would with other harder substances. Yeah. Um, you could stop using it and within a couple days you're fine like yeah yeah it's it's literally your receptors get reset and that's that um so why while i i don't really um promote the use of uh kids uh below the age of i would say at least 21 using it is for that risk but at the same time that doesn't mean they can't use any part of the plant whatsoever and also um in the instance where they may be suffering from certain conditions where they need THC is also safe as well once you give them it in a proper administered dose. And, you know, things will be fine because I've actually had a couple kids that I had to use THC with for certain conditions and it absolutely worked. And they are completely fine in terms of how they function, uh, their thought processing, their level of focus, nothing has changed. Because it's not to say that if somebody needs this, you need to give them 10 grams of extra cut ones or 5 grams. No, sometimes they just need a 0.1 milligram daily 
right? And most of the times is not for an extended period to say is long enough to cause any long-term damage or any kind of damage, period. So when people say that, you know, cannabis is a dangerous drug, that's absolute rubbish. It is not dangerous in in any form, like whatsoever. It, I, I, I do see what the, the, the problem is here and why it has to be promoted as such. It has not been responsible for any deaths in the history of mankind. Um, it has been proven to be an effective medication for centuries. Well, of course, you know, pharmaceutical industries, they have to push their products. So, you know, when it comes to lobbying and marketing and stuff like that, you have to... Of course. They have to make sure that they can sell something, like the same thing, like you take a tablet for this, you take a tablet for that. You know, everybody greases the wheel, but you give somebody a plant that could grow naturally and you could make your own drug at home. Who wants that? Exactly. They don't because it destroys their industry. So, how you it, it it really it really does bother me when I, I think about things because i look at how complex this issue is and how people try who don't know try to dumb it down like it's just yeah some kind of it's a complex scene but with simple solutions we just need to to basically better understand the product yeah and i would have thought that with the advisors the government had that they would have been able to you know structure things properly but I mean, if the AG could come out and say that his own forensics team made an error with a simple thing like male and female plants, I mean, oh gosh, that's basics. I mean, it's the they're, they're politicians at the end of the day. What the hell do they know? No, he wouldn't know, but he said his forensics team. You mean Google? This. I highly doubt it was Google because <laughs> the government does have advisors that are telling them, you know, advisors have you ever been contacted by the government to give any consultation and stuff like that or Mm -mm. no No. do you know anybody in your community that has been yes i do but you see the way i operate is pretty much behind the scenes um i don't really advertise my company or what i do and every client i've gotten is through referrals so I've had clients in every part of Trinidad, still have clients in every part of Trinidad, Tobago, Grenada, Curaçao, um, British Virgin Islands. So how do you export with international? Do you import? This is, this is another question. You grow, right? And harvest or do you import product? No, no, no. no. Everything is imported. Okay. So how do you get it into the country? Just well, before it was... Just order it and ship it. Serious? Mm-hmm. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. But everything was always true legal means. I never paid anyone off to get the products in here. So you're trying to tell me if I go on the internet and order marijuana, it can be shipped to my door. Oh, no. This is CBD. Oh, CBD. I have yeah. to think of like actual, like, you know. Well, that's the thing. You have CBD content and you have TAC mm-hmm. content, right? Now, I see on your Instagram, you have buds and mm-hmm. grass and stuff like that. Do you grow that locally? That's the product I'm talking about. Oh, no, no, no. Um, I mean, I'll have my own personal grow. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I usually source that locally. So I have suppliers for that. Okay, so you don't have like As a to how, house. No. As to how they get it, you know, it's not really something I would try to figure out because it's, it's not something I would really want to get into. 
Um, because you have a lot of information. Because like you, you professional level, you say this does. You have this feeling. It tastes like this. You have this percentage TCBD. You mm-hmm. have this percentage THC. It's all laid out. Take this if you have this, 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 mm-hmm. and this, and this. It's the level of detail I would expect from a product that you're trying to solve or analyze yep. or stuff. Because there's always a conversation with the smokers that come in my store all the time and say, I have this local, I have this Vinci. But then to them, like, do they know? Most of the times, no. They don't. Right? Um, even when it comes um, to high grade, the imported stuff. Most of the times you might go on a block and you ask them what they have. We have Kush. We have Loud. Loud? Loud meaning high grade. Yeah. What strain it is? It's Loud. It's just Loud, like, yeah. So That's all it is. That's you, all they know is Loud. Exactly. So you can't even say you could go on the block and you know exactly what it is you're getting even if it's import. Because even they don't know. And it's like they don't care. So they, they just say if it smells bad, they could up the price. Right. The um the persons I choose to deal with, however, they try to get as much information as they could so they could market the product out to the people who actually looking for something where they know what it is. They could go online and look at the strain information and figure out, okay, this will work for me or this wouldn't work for me. You know? But that's that's essentially how a dispensary should operate. And you're not going to get that on the block. How do you think, how much money do you think the government will probably earn from delegalization in terms of taxpayers' dollars? Because they earn a lot from tobacco and alcohol. A lot. Plenty. A lot. Do you think it's enough to become like a sustainable industry in Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah. Or is See, this going to be like a fad? If if they just have it decriminalized and they have it decriminalized for medical purposes... That is just one industry. If you legalize it, you could have multiple industries and you could tax each one, right? And now you give people more freedom to get involved into the industry. So you'll actually have job creations. You'll have a sustainable economy, right? Um, Don't talk about the, the boost to the environment, like hemp. Hemp could remove harmful metal and radiation from yeah. soil. Hemp, hemp has plenty hemp paper and there's like hemp rope and then there's hemp synthetic hemp that create hempcrete. Everything. Look at this. This. Oh, no, it's in the car. I have a hemp grinder, a hemp herb grinder in the car. That's completely biodegradable. Right? So, there's an industry with cannabis almost any type of field that you want to go into. So, why, why restrict it to Could just could we grow here in a massive way? Or of course our, we could. Our environment can lend it very yep. nicely. Don't talk about up in the mountains. Perfect place for growing cannabis. Maracas St. Joseph. By Maracas. Mar- Maracas St. Joseph. <laughs> we know we had to <laughs> sell in your parents' house. You're going to open a farm. <laughs> See, we have the ideal climate. We have the ideal soil. Okay. And... What we could have is a strain as unique to Trinidad. Like our cuckoo. Exactly. You could mass produce and export that. Look, um, just a couple of days ago, I posted an article where um, they found a flavonoid that could actually treat pancreatic cancer. It actually kills oh, the wow. cells. Okay. Right? And they found it in a Jamaican strain. Right? That's, it's, it's endemic to Jamaica. 
So, who knows what our strain, what our local strain, what, the, what kind of potential medical benefits it could have. So, how does that process start where you start exploring marijuana? Will we have to export our marijuana to labs outside? Do we have labs here that can do that? We don't, but we could. That's the whole thing about it. Because I'll be honest with you, I was watching that on documentary on Netflix, Rotten, mm-hmm. and one thing I that brought my mind you know, with this whole marijuana legalization thing, the person who creates and I'm giving my podcast listeners a free advice before they have money you could invest in this, but the person who sits down and can measure the content of THC in a batch would be the person who makes plenty money when dispensaries open here, because we don't seem to have that. Not really. And um and and you could find the equipment online uh you just have to know exactly how to read certain things but ideally someone with a chemistry background perfect person to get into that field easy easy and then you could approach government and be like hey we have this thing let's start yeah regulating. you have a testing facility you would be the boss like for the whole country who knows probably for other places in your region as well exactly once this thing starts taking obviously oh, they can make money you know, listen to this podcast make real money well, not with it decriminalized. No, it I has mean, to be fully. But do you think we're going to see fully legalization this year? Uh, not under this administration. You don't think they're going to do legalization? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Why not? I Okay, so since 2017, I've been saying that full decriminalization is going to happen in 2020, which is exactly what is setting out to happen because the control bill has not been passed yet. So this thing just kind of halfway done. They have they haven't met. Right. After that, if this government stays in power, I could see cannabis remaining in the exact same state for the next five years. And the only change that will happen was when is when it will be coming over to the following elections. They'll probably start to say, "Well, okay, yeah, we having problems with this, and the people making noise, like we change up some things." And the yeah. month the month before election call, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, it's like paving your road, you know. Well, they pay any avenue right now. Election yeah. coming, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So you think it's just a case of like just keeping people quiet? Yeah. Because why do things halfway? What what would it look like you rush this and just say, well, all right, this look like it might cause the some of our problems. If people will be happy, hey, take this. And most of the people, when they get it, they wasn't looking at all the fine print with the restrictions it have. Because... Before decriminalization, people, even though it was illegal, we had more freedom to do certain things with cannabis yeah. than now. Now you're literally like a prisoner in your own house and you have to hide and smoke still. So, uh, I didn't even start taxing us yet. No. So, what what you're really going to do? And then in the control bill, you're also saying that, and it's there, and I'm not, I honestly don't know how people are missing this. I'll definitely put a link to the control bill in the show notes. I'll have to get a copy and make sure people read it. Yeah, because it says that um, any medical user must have a permit to consume. Otherwise, they could be charged and face up to like a $100,000 fine. So, what people really have now is a bit of a leeway. Right? Kind of like a do-ass do-tell. Exactly. So, when the control bill comes to pass now, everybody who wants to consume has to go and get a license to do it. That's where they're going to make their money. Because mm-hmm. that license won't be cheap. I not expecting to be. Because I know um, Northern State of California licenses to grow very expensive, and these people started losing a lot of money 
Because it's not like the black market where you could have sold something for a certain price. No, it's not. And the overheads to run a farm is very costly. It is. And now they're starting to talk about the cost of power. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. The, the marijuana industry in California uses more power than all of the farms across the United States. Oh, yeah. You see, it's once ridiculous. you do it in law... Well, they have to do in law, by law. That that has problems. Um, places like Humboldt County and stuff who do their... Their, um, their grows outside, they don't really have to face that problem. They have to face a different one with people up in the mountains actually coming to raid their farms. Well, they have to have fencing, they have to have yeah. permits available, and they have to make sure that the place is fortified and none. They have a mm-hmm. shit ton of regulations, and then they have to pay taxes on top of that. Yep. So it eats away all their profit. So look look at something as simple as that. They, they over there still didn't put things in place to make it a fair industry for anybody that wants to get into it. The taxing people over there are so hard that you can't even afford to get into the industry. No, you can't. And that's where the big men like MedMen and stuff are coming in and because they have the lawyers and they have the financial backing to build massive corporations. See, the government clearly doesn't understand the eat, little, live, long policy. They don't. No. So that's why this current bill is unbalanced. So, do you think that our government is just doing this probably with the think, thoughts in mind that people with a lot of money and a lot of background will be able to come and exploit this billion-dollar industry? That's obvious. Only big pharmacies in Trinidad are going to have a little section with a dispensary in it. You think so? Even if the next government comes in and makes it legalized, you think they're not going to help their people grease the wheels as well? Or? I mean, that's a kind of obvious thing based on the culture, but at the same time, if you're coming in to do that and help your friends, don't ignore all the people that was on the ground waiting for this to happen so they could get into the industry, you know, fuel their passion, and then you just come in and strip that away from them and say, listen, this is the cake. could have this little slice, but this one is... This here is for everybody. That's not you. That is... Uh, Oh, you get venture frustration. I I understand fully. I, I, I can see, like, it's like, you know, it's like if the government was to come and be like, yeah, we have a pod- podcast platform for government-only podcasts. Everybody else can't do it. See, and this is why they wouldn't consult me because I'll be against the majority of policies that I want to put in place because it is not balanced. It is not fair. It's okay. You could voice your opinions here and you know, let it be heard because, I mean, you really opened my mind to a lot of things with this conversation that I did not think about. And I don't think the average person has at least sat down and thought about it. They don't because they're distracted. Yeah, well, the media has its agenda. Mm-hmm. But they don't have these, like, you know, you get a spot on, like, TV6 for, like, 10 minutes. And you just kind of run yeah. through it. And that's yeah. that. You know, just agree. Oh, well, tell us about these drugs. Okay, cool. Right. On to our next topic, a cat gets stuck in a tree. You know what I mean? It's just commercialism it's, it's it's a little bit of bullshit but i mean what are we could do we're a society that's easily distracted and that's the unfortunate thing about it is that people don't really take the time to look at the fine print they'll just see oh flash bang wow this is so pretty but they're not looking at all the mess let me tell you, man. Let me tell you. We're going through right now, I see this on the podcast all the time, people who listen. Right now, we're going through the natural reset of Trinidad and Tobago. We see Christmas into Carnival. Mm-hmm. That three-month buffer 
is where we kind of like, you know, we start restarting the computer. Everybody start changing their mind. Right, I just spent a set of money for Christmas. I'm going to make a hustle for carnival, make yep. some money back. Yep. And I'm going to forget these last three months of excess and this happened. And then life starts on Ash Wednesday. <laughs> is what we do. It's if true. We, if we didn't have carnival, imagine what would happen to Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. If Trinity Christmas wasn't so sweet. Right? If Trinity Christmas didn't lead to Trinidad Carnival, because you notice now every year Carnival getting closer and closer to Christmas, now Boxing Day fed. As Boxing Day hit everybody dropping soccer, even before. Yeah, before. It's now like it's embedded in our society that we need that from, I think it's from Diwali, when Diwali done, to Ash Wednesday, nothing gets done on this island in like a big way. It's like, seems like yeah, everybody's kind of like. It's a gradual slowdown. A working to make money for Christmas. After that, I'm making money for Carnival. Mm-hmm. And even then, after Ash Wednesday, the next thing they're thinking about was my children home for summer, so I had to go somewhere. We really have a kind of very laid back. It makes me wonder: is it could we handle something like the full legalization of marijuana? We could. We could. I honestly believe that we could, because while you would find that uh, a lot of Trinidad is probably not a very mature society. Oh, no, we, we aren't. Like, there are a lot of people that could put things in place if an industry was there that could put this whole country in a 180 and change the attitudes of not only the people, but businesses and influencers around them that you could actually start seeing a change. But the way how everything is right now, it's like everybody trying to make a dollar just to be able t- to survive for that day. It's so hard out there. Yeah. Right? They, people just running out of options. So it's like, you know what? Wherever. We're a paycheck to paycheck society. I give society. up. I give up. And it's is just a subliminal thing because they're not seeing any kind of hope. None. So why not create an avenue as the, the administration that's in charge and give people a chance to do something not only to benefit themselves, but to benefit the entire country. Legalize it and let's go from there. That's all. Turn half a petrol into plantation. I for that. They have plenty of land there to waste. Bring back the agricultural sector. Modernize farming and turn that. You know, agriculture is such a big part of any progressive society. Well, half the pa- half the farms and freaking turn out turn to pass place anyway, but that's a whole different story altogether. I actually used to work in the Ministry of Agriculture. Oh yeah? Before <laughs> Yeah, when I um when I left Cardiovascular Associates, that was my next job. So I have an insight into the whole agricultural I tell you man, well. you, you just get you get the path laid out for you, you know. I did. <laughs> you get the path laid out for you. They have a plan for you, brother man. <laughs> Everything just falling into place. And you should be blessed. You should be glad. And you know why? Because you have a positive outlook. And you don't let these things you I know, need to. I need to because you have to do it, man. The the people here, the country, it it needs help. Um, Don't worry, it frustrates me every day of the week because I deal with the public. I I know what it's like. And and I see it. We are just two voices out of many other persons that want to do this, but people like us have so much restrictions placed on us yeah. that we're not fully able to implement the ideas that we want for progression and. It's frustrating. It really is frustrating. It's tough. 
it is what it is. Well, Javin, let's leave the people with that to think about. Thanks for coming on. It's a wonderful conversation. Thanks for having me. And I wish you best of luck with grass. I hope you could look back and be like, yeah, boy. This is this is a conversation I had before they legalize everything. You know, we look back at it a couple of years and see what happens. Yeah. You know, definitely yeah. get you. Here's what. You know, we go, I'll mark the date. Right? And you see this time, like, say, I'll call you. And we'll come back on, we'll discuss and see what happens. Have a follow-up. Because I don't usually do follow-up episodes, but we'll see in a year and see if that things have changed. changed. Very interesting. I you'll would make love it, to see what would happen. Tracy, you'll, you'll make note of that. that we'll follow it up for part two. Nice. Javid, thanks a lot. People, listeners, thanks for listening. And where they could find you on the internet, Javid? Um, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at GrassLabTT. Right, there you go. Say bye to the people. See ya. Stay high. Be safe. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I really hope you learned something today. And if you need any reference material, be sure and check out our show notes. They can be found on any of your favorite podcast platforms or anger.fm slash only general.